Buddha recitation is your ticket to the Western Pure Land. Planting a Seed of Buddhahood There are people who ask, Can I achieve single-mindedness by firmly upholding the sacred name of Amitabha? Will I for sure be reborn in the Western Pure Land? In response to this question, the commentary on the Amitabha Sutra says, Recitation in a scattered state of mind still plants a seed of Buddhahood, while those who firmly uphold the Buddha's name will ascend towards enlightenment without regressing. You must know that the merits and virtues of the Buddha are inconceivable, and those of the Buddha's name are even more so. You can plant a seed of enlightenment even if you recite distractedly. According to the Lotus Sutra, if people with scattered minds enter stupas or temples and say but once, Namo Buddha, they have realized the Buddha way. Therefore, we know that chanting the Buddha's name, even with a distracted mind, yields tremendous merits and virtues, not to mention persisting in the practice of reciting the Buddha's name single-mindedly. How is it possible that you would not go to the Western Pure Land in that case? In fact, whether or not you can be reborn in the Western Pure Land is completely in your own hands. So if you ask me, will I be able to transcend to the Western Pure Land? I will tell you honestly, it completely depends on you. As long as you truly understand the urgency of achieving liberation in this lifetime and resolve to do so, you will get to the Western Pure Land in this lifetime. Do not dwell on whether you recite the Buddha's name with a scattered or focused mind. Put that thought aside and just continue to chant the Buddha's name. Persistence in Buddha Recitation The point is that as long as you firmly uphold the Buddha's name and never forget it, you will be alright. What do we mean by uphold? It is like holding on to something, grasping it tightly in your hand. However, it is not simply holding it. You also need perseverance to prevent it from falling. If you drop it, it'll break and shatter. This is the power of upholding. Upholding the Buddha's name means chanting the Buddha's name continuously without interruptions. For example, we chant in the morning, but we also need to chant in the afternoon. We recite today, but we still have to recite tomorrow. This is upholding the Buddha's name. On an average day, you have to recite, but at times when you are suffering, you have to recite even more. You have to recite until you have been released from suffering. Only then can you stop. At that point, you will work on delivering the suffering beings of the Ten Directions because they are Buddhas of the future. If you do not chant the Buddha's name, then the three poisons in your consciousness, greed, anger, and ignorance, will arise. As long as you have the Buddha's name in your mind, the unwholesome thoughts from these three poisons will not arise. Because the three poisons have no real existence in themselves, they are illusory phenomena. Only chanting the Buddha's name brings the truest of merits and virtues. How can illusory phenomena contend with the real merits and virtues? It is like an egg colliding with a diamond rock. Therefore, do not worry about whether you recite the Buddha's name in a scattered or focused state of mind. As long as you keep holding to the Buddha's name, Amitabha, Amitabha, Amitabha.
in everything you do in your daily life, from getting dressed to eating, from sleeping to walking, from dawn to dusk. Do not let your recitation be interrupted. Even if you fall ill or things are not going your way, keep chanting Amitabha Buddha's name. If you maintain this practice, you need not worry about failing to attain rebirth in the Western Pure Land. What is the real meaning of upholding the Buddha's name? For example, if someone pays you a compliment, you respond by saying, Amitabha. Suppose someone criticizes you or hatefully slanders you, you still reply with Amitabha. So no matter whether things are going your way or not, you have to firmly hold to the Buddha's name and never forget it. Otherwise, you will always be influenced by your surroundings and it will be very difficult for you to maintain right mindfulness for attaining rebirth in the Western Pure Land. Not only do you have to maintain the practice of Buddha recitation, but it also has to become second nature. It has to come naturally. If you persistently hold to the Buddha's name, over time the chanting will come naturally. If you can recite the name of the Buddha automatically, you will establish a cause and the resulting effect will be your rebirth in the Western Pure Land of ultimate bliss. Those who are reborn there will never regress. So in the future do not ask me, will I be able to transcend to the Pure Land? You have to ask yourself whether or not you have been holding to the name of the Buddha. If you have, then you will be reborn in the Pure Land. If you have not, then you will not be. The law of cause and effect is as clear as that. With utmost sincerity you will achieve single-mindedness. If you can continuously and firmly hold to the sacred name, ignoring your scattered thoughts, then you will naturally attain single-mindedness in the end. Otherwise, if you cannot even hold to the sacred name, how can you hope to achieve single-mindedness? If you do not establish the cause, how can you reap the effect? Some people who have just started practicing Buddha recitation want to attain single-mindedness right away. It is by no means easy. You have not yet cultivated the right cause, but you want to obtain the results. That is wishful thinking. When I say this, I do not mean that people should not seek single-mindedness. Not seeking single-mindedness would be contrary to the doctrines of the sutras, as well as the compassionate teaching of virtuous people of ancient times. However, the single-mindedness that I am talking about is achieved in stages. This single-mindedness is an ordinary person's sense of remorse and utmost sincerity. If an ordinary person has both, that is single-mindedness. If not, then it is not. By achieving single-mindedness in this regard, a person will reap the result of being reborn in the Pure Land. Everybody must make the effort to achieve single-mindedness. If you do not do so, then all the merits and virtues you have accumulated can only be seeds for learning Buddhism in your next lifetime, and you will not be able to achieve rebirth in the Pure Land in this life. The Sutra of the Buddha's Bequeathed Teaching says, those who constantly reflect on their shortcomings will act virtuously. Those who do not are no different from animals. 
If you lack utmost sincerity and a sense of remorse, you will have difficulty in accomplishing even ordinary tasks in the world, not to mention the great task of transcendence. The best way to counter elusive thoughts arising from the three poisons is to chant the Buddha's name and perform prostrations with utmost sincerity and a sense of remorse. We ordinary people, whether we are on the go or at rest, are afflicted by vexations, as well as drifting erroneous thoughts. Because of this, we always have to stay alert. When your mind gives rise to the vexations of greed, anger, and ignorance, do not let these vexations lead you to commit unwholesome deeds. You need to promptly stop yourself in your tracks and repent. Do not inflict your own vexations on others. Do not fall into hell and drag others along with you. You should think like this. If I cannot save others from the cycle of birth and death, at least I should not drag them down to the three lower paths. So long as you think this way, you will no longer commit unwholesome deeds. Extinguishing the Five Desires In this Saha world, there are demons everywhere. The demons I am referring to are not creatures with three heads and six arms, with huge claws and teeth and wielding big pitchforks. What I am referring to are the demons of wealth, lust, fame, food, and sleep. These are the five demons that I am talking about. The demons of the five desires are even more vicious than poisonous snakes and wild tigers. Suppose you are bitten by a poisonous snake or swallowed up by a huge tiger. That would only result in the death of this human body. However, if we are swallowed up by the five desires, besides not being reborn in the western pure land, we would also fall into the three lower paths. We need to be especially careful in regard to this. We must stay alert. In our cultivation, we can truly say that we are engaged in a battle against demons, the demons of the five desires. If we do not win this battle, there is no way to destroy them. It is just like fighting against an enemy. If you do not eliminate your opponent, your life may be in danger at any time. There is no love when dealing with enemies. Otherwise, you are only harming yourself. Normally, we should treat people with compassion. But when dealing with the seven emotions and the six sensory pleasures, you cannot allow yourself to be led astray by them. This is especially true for lay practitioners. You are surrounded by your enemies, and there are evil influences all around you. You are completely surrounded by these seven emotions and six sensory pleasures. No wonder Shakyamuni Buddha said, in the Sutra on the Precepts for the Laity. There are two kinds of bodhisattvas, those who practice at home for whom progress is difficult, and those who leave home and become monastics for whom practice is easy. We live here at Lingyan Mountain Temple, single-mindedly and diligently following the path. If you get a little bit off track here in your conduct, or if your Buddhist etiquette is not appropriate, someone will immediately correct you. So, when you practice at this temple, even if you want to breach the precepts, there will not be the conditions or the opportunities to commit an unwholesome deed, because at this place there are only favorable conditions for your practice. 
but for lay practitioners cultivating at home, the negative influences are greater than the positive. Lay bodhisattvas have to rely on themselves in their practice and also make offerings to the three treasures. Those who have families have the additional responsibility of fulfilling their filial and parental duties. They have to take care of everyone, and in every situation they encounter they have to create harmony. If they make one little mistake, people will criticize them and gossip about them. As Buddhists, we must set higher standards for ourselves and strive for perfection in everything we do. In order to perfect wisdom and blessings, we must cultivate patience and forbearance. Leave the good for others and take the bad onto yourself. Seek every opportunity to practice forbearance. This is how you gain great wisdom and blessings. I always say that it takes great courage to become a monastic. Actually, it also takes courage to be a lay practitioner. Compared to monastics, lay practitioners require even stronger willpower. Otherwise, they will not be able to practice at home because there are too many obstacles. You cannot boast in the face of the demons of the five desires. You cannot say you are not afraid of them unless you know you have someone to depend on. Who should you depend on? You should depend on Amitabha Buddha. That is to say, when the demons of the five desires appear, you should persist in reciting the name of Amitabha Buddha. Whether you recite single-mindedly or not, as long as you are mindful of the Buddha at all times, you will certainly be reborn in the western pure land of ultimate bliss in this lifetime. Secular sentiments bind you to the cycle of birth and death. Human beings, along with heaven and earth, are called the three righteous. Once you become a monastic practitioner, you will be part of the Sangha, which together with the Buddha and the Dharma comprise the three treasures. Being human is a precious opportunity, yet the average person leads a confused and deluded life. They waste away this precious life and even forsake their noble nature. When someone tempts you to do unwholesome deeds or looks to make trouble for you, do not worry. Everything will be okay with one recitation of Amitabha Buddha's name. However, what you should fear most is when someone is nice to you. For this is when you get lost in sentiments like love. When you are attached to the secular sentiments of love and lust, it is like walking on a slippery road after a spring rain or precariously picking your way up over sharp pieces of gravel. Worldly people must break through the barrier of sentimental attachments. If you cannot do so, it will be difficult to end the cycle of birth and death. The root cause of the cycle of birth and death is defilements. What are those defilements? They come from the five desires. Learning Buddhism is a great undertaking that requires courage and willpower. When it comes to love between men and women, you should use the diamond sword of wisdom to sever your attachments. You have to cut them off completely. Even if just a few of these attachments remain, you will still get tied down. Who is tying you down? You are doing it to yourself. These attachments are not simply those between men and women. If you really want to escape the cycle of birth and death and tread the Bodhi path without obstructions, then to tell you the truth, 
Even the relationships with your parents and children have to be cut off as well. Now, this is speaking from a transcendental perspective, not from the perspective of an ordinary worldly person. The secular world is completely filled with sentiments, which lead to birth and death. If you are detached, people will assume you are as cold as ice. But you must realize that we study and practice Buddhism to seek transcendence. The intention is to end the cycle of birth and death. You must be absolutely clear on this point. Why is this so contrary to the ordinary human way of doing things? Why do I ask people to cut off their relationship with their parents and children, husbands and wives? Remember that this advice is based on the fact that the truth is free of secular sentiments. The Greatly Benevolent and Righteous Bodhi Path In the mundane world, as a child, you must listen to your parents. Since it is your parents who have brought you up, you must observe filial piety. It is natural that you do what you are told by your parents, but if you want to cultivate Buddhism and liberate yourself and your parents from the cycle of birth and death, you have to resolutely sever parent-child attachments. Only then can you get on the Bodhi path. True filial piety is when you achieve success in your cultivation, deliver your parents and perfect your wisdom and blessings. If you do not sever these attachments, it will be too difficult for you to renounce the secular world and take the monastic path. If we let you live here at the temple, your parents will still want you to return home. If you shave your head, your parents will still want to take you home and get you a wig. If you are not able to let go and break away from this pittance of emotional attachment, how can you cultivate Buddhism and escape from the cycle of birth and death? You should think of it this way. My own liberation from the cycle of birth and death is a small matter compared to that of my parents. And it is not only my parents from this lifetime, but also those from infinite previous lifetimes who are caught up in the endless cycle of birth and death, waiting for me to deliver them. Therefore, you need to have far-reaching aspirations to transcend the secular world, exercising your greatest wisdom to save yourself so as to save your loved ones. Do not let your parents of this lifetime obstruct your way to the detriment of your parents from infinite previous kalpas. If you can endure the temporary suffering of parting from your parents, in the future you will be able to liberate yourself from birth and death. If you are still concerned that your renunciation will break your parents' hearts and consequently comply with their wishes, you will not be able to walk the Bodhi path. Your parents from previous lives will continue to sink into the depths of misery and never be able to escape. Therefore, if you resolve to chant the Buddha's name and enter monastic life, you must cut off all your familial ties of affection. It is the same with love between husband and wife. Suppose a husband wants to take the monastic path but is concerned about his wife's well-being and vice versa. Such emotions would appear laudable from a worldly perspective. Now you have to realize that these are but insignificant, small sentiments. By contrast, practicing the Buddha's way is of great benevolence and righteousness. If you are always preoccupied with these trifling feelings, how can you properly hold the great virtuous sacred name of the Buddha?
Among those of you who are participating in this retreat at the temple, some with heavy karmic hindrances would have these emotional attachments obstructing their cultivation of Buddhism. The only thing you can do to overcome these obstacles is to rely on chanting the name of Amitabha Buddha. What I have said so far is not just for you to hear, but for you to really put into practice. If you do so, not only will your parents from the infinite past be forever joyful, but the whole world will also be at peace. It is the choice between being a monastic and a lay practitioner, or liberation and confinement. Joy or suffering, wisdom or worldly sentiments, these are choices you can make. No one is born a hero. We achieve greatness through hard work. The Buddha was once an ordinary human being. Should you not follow in his footsteps? Wise as you are, can you accept my advice and walk beside me? Let us go together to the Western Pure Land and pay homage to the compassionate, honorable Amitabha Buddha.